right, guys. Well, here we are back in the Natural 20 Cafe for our review of Marvel Superheroes by TSR. How are we doing tonight? Doing good. Uh, excited to talk more comics. Uh, I have to get all of my knowledge into the next few things we're recording because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm not allowed to talk Marvel ever again after this. So. <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> I actually like hearing about the stuff below like the veneer of the MCU, you know? Fair. That's all I know about because I never read <sighs> the comics and got into it. But honestly, when somebody who actually knows what's up starts talking about it, it's like, huh, this rabbit hole goes really deep oh so deep we'll we'll get you learned <laughs> it'll be good <laughs> Jaden, how are you doing tonight i'm doing good i'm gonna beat this system down though i'm not actually gonna be that hard <laughs> but this is definitely my least favorite system so far i'm so torn because i like aspects of it very much mm-hmm. but the tedium of some of it is hard to get past yeah, that's kind of where I am. Like, if we got an update of this, I think I'd be way more on board. But as it stands, it's yeah. like, whew, I don't know how I feel about it. But this is playing like a weird, like, pirated beta copy of something that hasn't been updated in so long. <laughs> and there's no resources online for, like, a better way to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot, of, uh, a lot of the points that I have to say tonight are going to be, wow, free internet days, <laughs> wild. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, speaking of pre-internet days, let's get into some overview. Uh, this system first released in 1986 by TSR, which many people would know is the original publisher of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, we were able to get this as free PDFs, uh, and it's highly accessible online. There are several websites that you can download these from, uh, including if you have an issue with one website, just go to another. It'll be fine. Um Unfortunately, though, I could not find out of curiosity the original release price. Uh, I, I, I hope that somebody writes in and lets us know because I would be curious as to what this would sell for. Um, and that's kind of my, my overview. Like I said, the pre-internet days doesn't leave you with a lot of information. Even the uh, Wikipedia page is fairly sparse. So uh, what are you guys' first impressions? As a big Marvel superheroes fan, I I enjoy that I got to play alongside all these characters that I've loved for just ages. Um, it's real old. Uh, <laughs> it is very clear that this system came out the year my dad graduated high school. Because, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit clunky. Mm. Yeah, for reference, this game is older than every single host on this podcast. <laughs> By a fair amount. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 10 years for me. Jeez. Only five for me. 10 years older than you, Jaden? Yeah. Well, if it came 80, out at 86? 80, well, oh, I thought it was 84. Where did I get 84 from? Jeez. I have no idea. I need to listen harder. So, I was okay. going to say, I'm pretty sure we're the same <laughs> age. So yeah. 12 years. And I was just about to be like... Oh, man, I'm real old. (laughs) Honestly, I came into this one kind of, like, not looking forward to it and was pleasantly surprised, I'll be (laughs) honest. When I read through the book and did the character creation, I I really enjoyed character creation and, like, the amount of different outcomes that you can have. Very cool. Mm -hmm. And, like, I kind of feel the same way as I did about Monster of the Week where I came in being, like, I'm just going to get through this one. And then I came out being like, you know, there's this clunky, but I actually really enjoy what they were going for in it. I'll be honest. Yeah. And, you know, with, with that, uh, 
<laughs> there's an easy way to be like, well, it's clunky because it was our first time through and stuff like that. But it's like we've played enough tabletop games to know when rules are easy to follow and when they're not. I legit think though that while while playing it, I was even thinking to myself, it would have actually been kind of super useful to do like just an hour long like one encounter before we started recording. Mm-hmm. But like you said, we're like we played a lot of tabletop games. You come in thinking like we can figure this out, like we can see what's going on. But really, no, it's like this is way different. Yeah, I've never felt like a system was like mentally taxing for me and this one i went to bed after playing it each time being like i have a headache and i enjoyed what we did i had a good time still but it was not exactly what i was going for and i don't feel like i should be mentally exhausted after playing a game oh then why are you even playing <laughs> maybe if All i'm the running fans out there are like no you you need to be exhausted after a game. <laughs> if you don't need eye drops after what are you even doing like <laughs> Yeah, my takeaway from this, um, I would love to have seen it back when it was originally played because I feel like my appreciation of it would have been higher. Um, but as time has progressed, game design has gotten smoother and I appreciate that. But, uh, with that, let's, let's move on into some unique features here. So uh, the things that I kind of noticed was number one, the papercraft city building that came with the original box sets. At first I thought it was a gimmick. And then I thought it was like, Oh no, this would be super important to playing this game. It would make a huge difference to actually playing this game. Uh, I also noted uh, random superpower creation uh, slash character creation, which I thought I loved. I loved. And then lastly, uh, the unique feature that I saw was the universal table for rolling successes. Uh, why don't you guys speak to a few of those or or give us some insight into some of the unique features that you thought of? Um, as far as like character creation, I loved it. I, I so enjoyed the character creation in this and that if you wanted to play a pre-generated character within the universe, awesome. But if you wanted to be your own superhero, you could totally just roll and run with it. And there was like powers in there that like I never even considered. Dark Force energy wasn't anywhere on my radar coming in and it was awesome. Uh, the chart, I really liked it. At first, it was kind of clunky trying to figure it out, but I love the idea that, like, if you play it, like, rules as written, you can roll too well and kill people by accident <laughs> when you're not trying to, and I think that's sick as hell, because that just adds an extra level of things to worry about when you're rolling your dice, and I think that's super cool. Um, yeah. yeah, when I looked at the chart first, I'm like, oh, God, no, and then I started using it, and I'm like, this made the system way better if that chart wasn't there this system nightmare with that chart way smoother i really dug that i don't know how much it needs to be implemented in more modern games but like actually i think some of like the more modern crunchy games could probably use something like that or in a similar vein that would help you just understand things a little bit better with your roles right if i got to add 80 things to my role why not give me a chart that makes it a little easier which this doesn't have the same addition kind of stuff as like something like pathfinder or other things but i super dug that and the character creation super cool i think it was great i love when things are random i i guess i I don't know i know that there's a lot of people that want to pick every single thing and power game me i would way rather come in roll up a bunch of random stuff and have to figure out how to play a character instead of having to be like, this is what I want to play. And so I'm going to do everything I can to strong arm that into this mm-hmm. system, whether it allows for it or not. Right. I'm, I love that kind of stuff personally. And it gives you a bit of a challenge, right? I didn't find that way with my guy having a ton of powers, but because I rolled a, um, 
I can't remember what the high tech or whatever I believe is what they're called. You were a regular human. My guy was significantly squishier and had worse stats than everyone else. But it was cool that I could be that way. I guess some people might not like that, that if you roll the wrong thing, you're going to be inherently weaker than some of the other options. Like Jody was a powerhouse compared to my guy. But I did have a lot of powers that made my guy, I think, a little more versatile overall. So it did seem to kind of balance itself out a little bit intrinsically, depending on your rolls. Unless you just rolled poorly across the board the entire time, then... Maybe it would suck. <laughs> yeah, I think like at the end of the day, the solution for the random, if people don't like random character generation is like you as a group can always choose to just pick. Yeah. Right? Like that's the, the why I like when the system encourages you to go random because it makes for a more fun game. I used to be of the like, if it said you're supposed to randomize it, I would be like, oh, man. <laughs> not looking forward to this because i just wanted to create my own person but the more i play with random character generation i've become more of a fan of it and i had, i'll just unanimously agree with all thoughts about character creation it's it was like one of my favorite parts of it and like i even like i don't usually read through like the powers that i'm not using but in this system <laughs> i like did you know they were interesting the descriptions were like short but detailed like character generation was really cool and you are right that like the the rolls that you make, it's like, I didn't realize when I rolled it, like, I thought when I rolled my character, it was going to suck. Because I was like, I, I transform into a bear. I got a shield. Ooh. <laughs> but then, like, in the context of the game, it was ridiculous. And, like, the chart, I had the same uh, first impressions. I looked at it. I was like, oh, Lord, this is going to be a chore. And then as we used it, yeah, like, once we got the hang of it, I think I even said it in the one gameplay. It's like, after two hours of using the chart it's like oh yeah this is actually super easy but the way that they segmented it was broken like horribly <laughs> unbalanced the the ranges of like if you are at 66 in this stat you kind of suck but if you're at 67 you're like godly with it and i had two abilities that fell right like two points over on the right like right side of the monstrous gap and it's like, wow, this chart's great, but it needed like a version 2.0 with like three more tiers or like a different spacing of the points. Yeah, I think my thoughts are are pretty well the same as you guys. And um, that this, I rolled a character and I don't always roll a character, but if I'm really struggling to learn a system, I will because I think it helps you understand what's going on. And I rolled a character, and I was so happy I did because I it was so cool. And like I rolled a, a mutant with um, like detective journalist skills or something like mm-hmm. that, and it ended up being super awesome. Um, and it was really interesting to see the different types of builds that you could get just out of randomness. Like at first, I was kind of like Jody, and I was like, "Well, these don't really go together at all." And then it <clears throat> made me start like thinking of like, "But how could they? Right? Yeah, like how exactly. could I make them work together?" Um, and in terms of the table. Same kind of as you guys. I thought it was really daunting to look at it at first. Like, there's a lot of information on that. And then as as we used it, I was like, okay, it makes sense. The the column shift up and the column shift down. So um, powering and depowering um, became a little bit easier as time went on. I think I would still want to see a change, like a 2.0, like was said, um, for the for the top part of the chart that had the like 
uh, whether you yeah. stun, kill, things like that. Because I found, although I was getting into it at the end, it's like, oh, okay, they roll it to see what happens to them. I still feel like there's an easier way to do that. Mm-hmm. I think you know? the secondary chart suffered from trying to cram it into the space on a single page mm-hmm. right above the primary chart. It was, like, really, like, non-descriptive because they only had, like, a third of a page to work with. And you know what? Maybe that's all we would need in order to make that make more sense is put it on like, so in the original print that was on the back of the back of the book, the back cover. So maybe on the inside of the book, they put the, the top chart. And then they also have like a few other things, like a description of what stun is or, or, or something like that. I'll also say that I thought that the abilities like our, our fighting strength, all that kind of stuff, they had too many, like, uh, like values, you know, how we had our base rolled number that then corresponded to a named level that then had its own power number as well. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that, like it was once you like know why, like what each of them means, it's kind of makes sense. But like the rolled number felt pointless in the gameplay side of it and the name and number distinction. It was like, just pick one. I thought. And I think a lot of that actually came down to, um, if you looked at the advanced rules, it, it did have rules for playing with the rolled value as well. Yeah. But I agree. Like, why? Why yeah. do we need, like, it's, it's too crunchy to use, uh, Jaden's preferred term there, right? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I agree with you. And, and that's actually a good point to pick up on here is the problem that we had with the basic versus the advanced set and that, like, Usually when you have an advanced, it's the rules plus, like, mastery of them. Whereas this was, like, you couldn't understand the advanced rules unless you read the basic. Which is exactly what happened to myself. Yeah, Yeah, with no note in the advanced rules to say, hey, you need to reference the basic. Like, that would have solved all of our issues if right at the first page it just said, this combines with the basic set. And I think there was a lot of... uh points in it like with initiative and with uh like i think damage was one of them and some other stuff where they had like uh, a basic really easy generic rule and then they'd have an optional rule that was like much better and probably should have been just the normal rule and they were both on the same page and it's like why like why <laughs> i think just that's use the better the one system is a lot of why <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I, I it agree comes with out that. great, and sometimes loose as hell, in my opinion. Yeah, that's like it was very inconsistent. That's exactly it. Where certain aspects of it felt tight and like really efficient, and then others, it was like we had huge gaps where we had to take a chill pill and try and figure out how to do a mechanic. That like it was like, well, why was the power section so well fleshed out? And then something simple like in the gameplay had no like actual good rules for it do you guys feel that there was much lost from not having the paper craft city because i feel like there was a lot missing i agree yeah the the concept of like rather than being how many feet something is or how many meters something is how many areas away something is or how many areas something occupies was really confusing without having like the map in front of us uh, because nowhere in it does it really describe how big an area is we kind of had to guesstimate and 
you know, kind of read between the lines for ourselves. Um, and also, like, there's some things where, like, your areas go not just horizontal, but vertical. Like, if any of us were people who could, like, walk on the side of buildings, that's a place where you could feasibly have to fight somebody. And trying to do that theater of the mind in three dimensions, um, I just don't think really translated well when you're not talking, like, and you know, a measurable distance that is the same for everybody, right? Which, by the way, uh, as somebody who's horrible at math, I did the math on it, and I double-checked online on a forum to make sure I did it right, and apparently an area is roughly 44 yards, which I'm Canadian, so that barely makes sense to me as <laughs> is, but um, it's 132 feet. That's an insane distance that you can move in one turn. That's 40 meters. Like, it makes sense. <laughs> 40 meters and I mean, I guess. Like, it does make sense. It's just way more than most systems give you. It's true, but I find most systems are really stingy with movement, in my opinion. <laughs> but that's a topic for another day. Ooh, perhaps but actually, a side what, table. What Cade, had me, uh, what Cade said got me thinking was, like, this system wasn't necessarily designed to be played in the theater of the mind mode that a lot of m other games were. And I wonder if that almost kind of interfered some, like when we had big problems with it, it could be caused by that where we're like used to systems having these rules for like wacky ideas that players could come up with. Whereas this one was more meant to be played on a board with like more defined like settings and stuff like that. I would have loved to play this with uh, the full map and everything, yeah. like, in person. And it was, like, designed in an era where that was the only option, right? Like, we played it over Discord in, like, a totally different way than it was, like, intended to be played. Yeah, there's no question that, like, I, I like that most systems allow for both, especially because sometimes it's great to pull out a map and play a game on a map, and then the next time you're like, okay, this is going to be a two-second combat. I'm not going to waste my time. I'll just mm -hmm. run this theater of the mind. Or if you're like full theater of the mind or, you know, the other way around, it's most systems, especially nowadays, allow you to do it all. I totally agree with everyone that like this one, I would absolutely want a map for. There's no question about it. It just would have made things a lot more sensible. And also like we could hit hard and everything could take a pretty solid hit other than the, like the little guys and stuff like that. So like when you're running these longer combats, it's also nice to be able to actually know where everything is, especially when you're running it. Because like trying to run theater of the mind where guys aren't dying pretty quickly gets pretty complicated to keep track of every single thing that's on the table. And they gave us a lot of enemies to fight, which probably didn't make yeah. it very easy for Ruin at all. Yeah. Well, and especially... Um, I definitely had a little diagram on my PDF that I was just scribbling mm -hmm. and was basically hoping that you guys could keep up. Yeah. Well, and especially with, um, like, the combat being formatted in that it's not your turn, it's your team's turn. So not even are you just doing theater of the mind, but, like, you can't plan ahead for your turn because everybody is moving at the same time, right? Yeah. So you have to make sure that not only you have a clear image in your head, but that that image is the same as everybody else's image in their head, which it never is. Um, yeah, it, it's it was an interesting extra obstacle that I don't think we anticipated when we started doing this system. When we finished playing, I definitely said that we would never be doing something like Warhammer unless we could get together <laughs> in person, like Warhammer 40k, because this was this was hard enough, and uh, it made us really realize the limitations of, like Jody said, digital space. Um, mm -hmm. 
while we were talking, I did a little bit of Googling. Uh, so apparently original price, depending on where you were at, was either $12.50 or $15. Uh, <laughs> <Dope>. <laughs> which is not bad. Well, what's that translate to? I have no idea. Uh, I didn't get that far. It would be much more than like double, maybe <laughs> yeah. triple at worst, right? And so then still like 30, yeah. 45 tops. Yeah, and then like all of their expansions that they had that added on more heroes and like different campaigns and stuff like that all had a cover price of under $3. Uh, think about and, how much it would be now with Marvel licensing coverage yeah. and like how expensive it would be it'd be like a hundred bucks just for the basic well book. even just you look at the yeah. price of comics at that time they were mm-hmm. still under a buck and now it's eight dollars to ten dollars a comic and there's less yeah. pages but so uh, I did look it up and it is still remarkably cheap with inflation <laughs> it would only be thirty three dollars in fact just under yeah damn I was close with my first estimate yeah, and Apparently it looks I'm like it's a like it's a big guesser. box. Yeah, so thirty three dollars. In case anybody wants like convert reference in modern day, uh, I I just pre ordered the digital version of the new D and D source book that's coming out, and it was the <laughs> same price. And I don't even get a physical copy of it. <laughs> and it's not all the rules; it's just an extra thing. So there yeah. is also something to be said about that. As tabletop has become more popular, you yeah. can make more money, and so people are yeah. trying to like give you a really wicked price so you'll maybe pick up their game right like i'm sure a part of that was being like we got to get guys away from D. how are we gonna do yeah. it we sell it cheap well what was D doing like at 86 like i don't know my history of tabletop very like well second edition i think it was second edition yeah, so sure. i think third edition came out in the 90s i want to say i have no idea i, I know I fifth was a right, like but... 2012 or 2013 because it came out right after my first ever time playing because we played 3.5, because 4 was garbage, according to my DM. Never actually played it. So. Apparently 4 suffers from more or less the exact same thing as this, is it's not mm. designed for theater of the mind. It is like you really need a map, and mm. you better like everyone having like a ton of powers to use, so turns are going to take a little bit longer. Fair enough. 4 was neat if you played a lot of video games, yeah. if mm. that makes sense. 4 really felt like a tabletop video game. Fair. With like so, very distinct skills and stuff. Yeah. Believe like it or not, this was three years before Second Edition came out. So Second Edition uh, came out in '89. Mm-hmm. So they were still playing first. So really, when you think about it, like this is super innovative for the fact that it included yeah. maps. Oh, yeah. It like that—that's wild. They- to be honest, yeah, for something that seems like it was priced as like almost a like got an undercut. Please buy this, yeah. like. Yeah, that's and wild. For being, yeah, it is actually pretty good. <laughs> I'll also throw in there that I think pers- personally, because I think this might be a little uh, controversial, the quality of what you get in this book is worth having a, a lower price. Like, the rules are harder to understand because it looks like somebody didn't edit them in some cases, like including there's spelling errors in places, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's less actual material. Like they're not supplying with tons of uh, printed scenarios to play by or things like that. The book itself is pretty small. Like I think it's 66 pages for the basic. Yeah. So, so overall you're getting a $15 value, I think versus, yeah. you know, today. Like today we're buying them for like, Oh no! I like I think you're getting a thirty dollar value today, right? Whereas I think by today's standards, like the was what what's D and D's re- retail price for eighty dollars Canadian? Sixty. 
60. So I think like 60 by comparison for what you're getting nowadays is a really good price. I haven't looked at like first edition D and D. I would be curious how much it compares and to say which one is actually better bang for your buck. Like I know probably in hindsight, we're all like, yeah, of course D and D, but like I've never actually looked at (laughs) At it. So I have no idea. And and I definitely I'm not definitely or I'm definitely not comparing it to D and D and what you could have bought with D and D at that time. I just mean like by today's D and D like five E. Yeah. Like the thirty dollar price range is about right for what you're getting. Yeah. I think it's legitimately impressive how much information they crammed into the sixty six <laughs> page book though. Like it it because it's crammed in there and like I was saying too while we were playing it almost feels sometimes like it's like somebody's shorthand notes because they just needed to get so much info into one page and from like a the standpoint of somebody who's like worked in publishing and has like laid out stuff like that before it's like you guys crammed a like significant amount into 66 pages it's impressive I wonder if they maybe even went with like we can only have so many pages because like if we go over 66 pages we're gonna like double our price to publish each book or something right like <laughs> yeah, it was by the totally page could be. read a thicker spine you gotta cram it in there <laughs> yeah all right well let's let's go into uh let's go into like the skill system in a little bit more depth here um so you know obviously this uses the the feats like we would see in in similar to D&D, but it also has talents, which are things that are um, less fantastic, but still valuable. Um, I would almost liken some of them to like skills in Cthulhu. Uh, and then, then of course, we have the base attributes, which uh, all of these things work on a percentile system, with the exception of uh, initiative, which we, we learned while we were playing, which is a D10. Um, and then, of course, uh, we also have things like the karma and the popularity systems. Uh, what really stood out in the, the skills to you guys? I, I'd i be curious how, in a different campaign, how the popularity and resources would actually play in. Because it really didn't affect us whatsoever. Just because of the nature of the campaign we were playing, right? But I'd be curious to see if... Like, if you played long-term or if you were playing a different campaign, how much that would actually affect, like, your interactions with people and, like, the different routes to success you could take based on whether or not you could afford to get, I don't know, a helicarrier or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. Because for us, yeah, like, those two stats didn't do anything whatsoever. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have a lot of, like, convincing. Like, I guess popularity could have came into the moment where we met captain america and outside of that like where else and even then it didn't really need to it wasn't really yeah a question. well we they were, were they were going to be a part of the mission no matter what well so. we had gone back in time so i feel like our popularity was a zero anyways because nothing we had done or said to anybody <laughs> yeah. had happened yet so that's a good point, <laughs> a good point. Uh, i was worried too when i rolled the mutant because you start with zero popularity and you have like less karma gain i think was the other rule yeah and i was like oh i'm worried about this but then when we got in it was like huh i don't even know what we'd use this for anyway yeah I did like the split between talents and powers, and it was really interesting how they did that, because really, like, talents were things that any Joe Schmo could go and learn. Like, mine has, was martial arts, and that is something that regular people can do. And then powers were, like, your super cool stuff, and it was almost like having two tiers of attacks you could do at any given point in time. And I thought that was really interesting as a way to split it, because it wasn't... As much as it's kind of like skills in uh, D&D or Cthulhu or whatever, um, 
they also included offensive things, which typically skills don't include in modern TTRPGs. Yeah. I feel like my only thing I have really to put on this is that the seven main stats they give, they felt like they didn't make the most sense sometimes. It's like, okay, should we roll this or should we roll that? And it was like, there was yeah. a lot more edge case because of just how they were defined instead of where a modern system has the usual, you know, strength, con, charisma, I think are just more, first of all, we're more used to them. So that's probably yeah. a part of it. But also I feel like it was like, okay, well, is that reason or is that intuition or like, oh, is it strength or is yeah. this fighting? And like, there was like, what what is the difference between strength and fighting? Like, I guess it kind of makes sense because you could be like a martial arts master and you can weigh like a hundred pounds and you can flip a guy that's three times your weight if you know the exact optimal way yeah. to do certain things. So it kind of makes sense in some ways. But then when you're actually like trying to decide what those cases are, I felt it was a little bit looser. Yeah. So I guess that's something that could also come with a little bit more familiarity with the system. But I feel like that's a lot of this system, right? If you're going to play this system, yeah. you almost want someone who's played it for like five or six years before just to guru you through it. Yeah. Like the one guy that still has the original book, and he's like, you mentioned it, and he freaks out, and he's like, yes, we have to play. Uh, I feel very, I feel very similar to you, Jaden, with like the naming of things, and it reminds me of the whole like every video game controller has a different placement for A, you know, like it's the same kind of thing of like they all kind of do the same thing, but we have to do it differently, and uh, to me, and I know I always get on like, oh, Cthulhu, it does so many good things, but like. I will say Cthulhu has education and intelligence, and those make sense to me on how they're different. You know, like education is learned. Intelligence is your natural brain power. I just, to me, I'm always like, why can't we just have an easy, like, why can't it just be easy to say what these skills are? I feel and like. And most of them are, but. I feel like for those those mental abilities, two is the optimum number of ways to split it intelligence yeah. wisdom education intelligence whatever once you put in three then it gets really tough because like what's the difference between like psyche and intuition or unless psyche one and is like right psyche because one is psyche like would be like willpower natural which was what psyche was right like it was hard set to magic mostly like you wouldn't run it for think most so situations. yeah it was, it was supposed to be like your willpower right which yeah. would be a completely different stat but like again it goes back to the naming of like Psyche's kind of a, like, what is that? Yeah, it's a very yeah. up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's yeah. the reason why I kept mixing up reason and intuition. Mm-hmm. Because for some of the things we were doing, it sounded like you were reasoning, but it was like, no, it's intuition because your guess, I like, I don't know. Yeah. 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 I guess we also have to give credit that this was made in the very early years of tabletop as we understand it. And so, th- yeah. like, no wonder they weren't following the same norms that we have now. Because not only were... Th- I don't even think they were being like, we're going to try and be different. We're like, we're just... We have to come up with stuff. There's very few yeah. rules written as to what we should call things yet. Yeah. We don't have 30 years of knowledge to work off of. So just start throwing some names on it because they make sense right now to us kind of deal. Yeah. Well, and something well, that's else... A good, that's- the, sorry, something else that just clicked for me as we're talking about, like, hmm, I wonder if they were trying to compete with D&D. It's also put out by TSR. They're both put out by the yeah. same company. Yeah. Clearly, they're not competing with each other. So they re- must have really felt that this worked for this setting more than the original D&D system worked for fantasy role-playing. I could also see that it was just two different teams that didn't talk to each other, you know, <laughs> like, um, cause like everything by chaosium uses the basic role playing system. Everything by Paizo uses their, like, uh, 
I forget what system it's, it is, but it's based off of 3.5 D&D, right? Yeah. So, like, they all use the same system. It's very common nowadays for them to use the same system. Mm-hmm. But again, like we've already said, this was early in the infancy of tabletop games. Uh, so maybe there just wasn't that forethought that they needed to be the same. Um, yeah. What kind of came to my mind was nowadays we're trying so hard to distinguish our tabletop games from the the ones that already exist. But in this time, they were just trying to figure out what it meant to be one. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the biggest. Oh, oh I was just going to say for trivia or trivia, I did find the original price of some of the books for D and D. Monster Manual was the cheapest at ten dollars. Uh, the uh, DM guide was fifteen, and it seems like most people can't remember the price of the player's handbook. They're referencing magazines that had ads in them, so, so that's uh, pretty comparable, guess, actually. Yeah. yeah, I think the biggest thing that I could add about the skill system is just the way that they divided the the breakpoints in the the attributes the primary abilities just so swayed towards if you're above like 60 i think it was 67 or 66 you're just god tier like yeah. from 66 to 100 your stat is like effectively the same like almost unbeatable so like in my rolls i rolled one right at 100 and then i had like three other stats that even though they weren't that high still like counted as being like god tier and it's like you know if they just didn't have that boost up for rolling at these weird breakpoints or did it differently it wouldn't have been such a like overpowered random character and then as the mutant you get to increase another one so like there, there's four that are like ridiculously good yeah it does fit and with superheroes, though, right? Like, it does. People are all over the place. A guy who comes in, and it's like, why did they even write this guy? He's so weak. And the next, you know, next thing comes over, his brother is like a world ender. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's great. So it, and it does definitely seems like they try to categorize. Like they want to know like who is stronger than the Hulk. Like that's something they want. Mm-hmm. But yeah. to me, that actually kind of hinders the chart. Where I wanted to see like two less columns. Just, you know, just shorten it up just a little bit because I don't so think I it actually matters. <laughs> you want two more. <laughs> yeah. There need to be like one in between monstrous and unearthly and maybe, well, no, yeah, just one more. Honestly, one more between monstrous and unearthly. That would have been fine. Not give me like three or four more beyond. <laughs> <laughs> a fold out. Yeah. Where does Sentry land in this? Galactus. <laughs> Actually, I think Galactus is in there. But. Um, yeah, I mean, the top tier is just saying when you hit things, you do infinite amounts of damage. Yeah. yeah. There's no end to how much pain you cause people when you flick them. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, tell you what. I'm out of coffee, so I think we need to take a refill. Potions and Potpourri, a Dungeons & Dragons variety show podcast where two gal pals, Keisha and Kayla, talk about a variety of topics, including discussions. Wizards of the Coast has tried recently to change the mechanics, but I think the biggest thing they did was release Tasha's Call of Everything. Right. That like really changed the way that people could make their characters. Life plays. We called the tracker trying to kill Claude. He already killed some of the household 
guards. Uh, we did everything we could to try and save him, but uh, the tracker unfortunately got got to him before we could. But we took care of the tracker. So it's me. Oh, he's gone. He's gone by Joseph. <laughs> Over. Interviews. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Afford, if you're not having fun with your character after a while, I'm not gonna make you play your character. Yeah. Right. But you have to figure out why is your current character leaving and why is this new character joining. Uh, uh, potions and potpourri. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, tabletop players. It's Ruin here. Hi, I'm Kate. From the beginning and now the middle and hopefully still at the end. We hope you're enjoying the episode, and we're just taking a quick coffee refill. And while we're doing that, we're going to update you on some of our uh, social media and different things that we have going on in the Natural 20, which, if you don't know, is where we play all of our fictional games. It's also fictional, but we pretend it's real, so it's as real as we want it to be. When the podcast gets real big, we're going to make a real cafe called the Natural 20. Ruin is just finding out about this now, but this is a thing that we want to do. I'm really excited about it. Yeah! No, we have social media all over the place. We're on pretty much everything. Facebook for all the older folks, Instagram and Twitter for the middle-aged people, and other things. Do we have other things? Are we on TikTok? What is a TikTok? You're starting to show your age. Anyways, make sure you follow us on those places where you can get all of our updates, usually weekly, sometimes daily. It kind of depends on how we're feeling, especially Instagram. That's where we're the most active, so make sure you hit a follow there. Also, make sure that you uh, give us a review on Apple uh, Podcasts because that's where uh, we get a lot of the listens from and people send good feelings our way. As well, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure that you actually follow us. That way you don't have to go and find the episode every time and it looks like there's a whole bunch of people following us and that really helps us with our egos. Mm -hmm. Also, we have a Patreon launching so that we can deliver even more content to you. Kate, what's on our Patreon? Oh, man. We have been trying to push Ruin to make a Patreon forever, and we finally broke him, guys. So, we have a Patreon, and if you are willing to part with some of your hard-earned coffee money, uh, you can get some really awesome exclusive content. Uh, we have everything from audio shout-outs uh, to access to the Natural 20 Cafe Discord server, where you and all the other patrons can get together, talk to us hosts, share ideas about all things tabletop and coffee-related. We also have... at least three exclusive side podcasts that you can check out exploring everything from uh, how to be a, a dm to solo adventures run by ruin to interviews with industry professionals um as well as we are putting up unedited or at least sl- only slightly edited versions of our podcast episodes so that you can listen to them there uh as well as anything else that we come up with in the next little while. If you want to help us continue making this awesome content for you guys, uh, we would really, really appreciate if you would consider checking out the Patreon and maybe chipping us a couple of bucks. A loony or a tootie, yeah. if you're Canadian as well. Yeah, that, exactly. The starting tier is just uh, $3. That's just slightly more than a regular coffee from Tim Hortons. Uh, and you could get as fancy as a $100 donation, which would go towards you buying us a tabletop system that we will review on the show. 
for sure. We do want to be clear, though, that absolutely nothing is changing with all of our free content. If you are just comfortable listening to what we already have, it's not going anywhere. You don't need to go to Patreon. However, we would really appreciate it, and we're going to be making even more extra bonus stuff for you guys. Regardless, make sure you hit us up on all of our social media because that's where you'll find any sort of contests or giveaways that we will be doing for the show like we've done in the past. But with that, I think the coffee's done, so we should get back to it. All right, we are back and highly caffeinated. So let's go on to encounters and, and combat here. Now, my first note here is, oh, man, they throw a lot of enemies at you. But I actually found that that's where the difficulty <laughs> came because you guys were pretty powerful. And so it was almost like you needed to get a hit a few times in order to make the challenge. I found this was one of the most fun systems, to be honest, to fight a bunch of guys in dice combat. Like, almost every other system, I love just limiting down to, like, like 4v6, you know, like a smallish battle. But in this one, it actually was great, because the you usually hit things and they are out of the fight, or you, you miss. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't super grindy. Like, once we had the chart figured out, it was like, I want to attack these three guys. Roll, green, okay, go, next turn, like actually worked out nicely i didn't mind the combat at all yeah i thought it ran really smooth and i think part of that is because they vary the enemies that they throw at you so in addition to like the big bad guy whether it's red skull or you know baron blood and baron zemo or whatever all the little guys are one shot like you hit them one time and they're dead which is just like how henchmen work in the comics and in the movies right like they're just fodder And I felt that was really cool because, like, you had to worry about him, but also, like, you were a superhero. You were levels above Joe Schmo, who just is there for, you know, health benefits. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was really cool, and I thought that made it really fun to kind of pick, like, all right, am I going to wade through the crowd, or am I making a beeline for the big guy? And, you know, team mechanics within that was really cool. Yeah, they have legitimate, like, built-in minion mechanics, which isn't something in most modern systems, which is still you can add any time. And I do like doing it every now and again. I like having it. You hit this guy once, he's dead. That's how strong you guys are in comparison to this kobold when you're a level 8, you know, adventure in D&D. So I'll give you some of those stuff out there. Because you do get that. It feels more epic when you're actually, you know, beating guys down. And it's just like, they can't even handle me. And then I get to that big guy, and he still gives me a challenge. And that also lets me know, this guy's really tough. Yeah. Yeah, I will say that I think I, I think I fudged a bit of the the playing in the combat just to help. Um, the fact that we didn't have a visual made it really difficult to be like, well, there's <laughs> these four guys over here, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I fudged it so little that I was confident that I wasn't really betraying like the the sense of the game. It really was just like, okay, I've got 15 guys on the table. I don't want to roll 15 sets of dice, so I'm going to do it in sets. And if this set is a success, then I will roll for every one of them to attack or miss. But if I don't get a success off the first one, I don't care. 
One thing I found in the combat too is we were always like you anyway, and like I was getting ready to do it too. It was always like, all right, you hit roll for damage, and then we take a second and be like, oh yeah, it's on the chart. The damage is always the same. And it was like because it's old and different mm-hmm. that actually tripped me up every time too. I was like, I hit cool. How much damage? Oh yeah, seventy five. Yeah, that was one thing I actually didn't like. I didn't like that it was always the same damage every time. Yeah, it same. didn't feel like I could like get a really good hit on him or like do extra damage because i really put my all into that energy blast or whatever uh same with how yeah yeah go ahead sorry sorry no that was basically i was just yeah yeah i was gonna say same thing with like how the tears sort of were like an ac too Mm -hmm. how like if you hit below like what they were for their defense you just it did nothing yeah and the opposite was true too like if you hit them and they were like lower level they were just immediately dead which again fits this whole superhero power fantasy thing but from a mechanics i didn't really love it yeah i also like the idea that like you could roll low on your attack and that sucks but it's also like a narrative thing right like oh it's a glancing blow versus a direct hit and things like that Mm -hmm. you know i i agree that just you know the the confirmed number Mm -hmm. you know it it took a little bit out for me and also yeah i think maybe that's a, a psychological thing they've developed over time is like people like the click clacks give them more click clacks yeah i think like honestly some of it to me seems like it was not like a cost saving as in being cheap but in providing value with this thing for like 12 bucks back in the 80s it probably came with just two 10-sided dice or whatever and that's all you need Right? Like, you don't need D6s to roll damage. You don't need D20s to roll yeah. skills. You literally have two D10s on a chart. A whole team can use the same D10s. 12 bucks, go to the store, save your pop can money. Like, bam. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In defense of the flat damage, I would say that one thing that's good about it that I always see is like characters have this idea that like they explain how they do this really cool maneuver and they go and they they got the hit. They're super excited. They go to roll damage and they hit one damage. And they're like, oh, that really took the whole wind out of my sails. Whereas, like, you know what damage you're going to do, which does kind of suck because you don't get to maybe have that overly powerful hit. But really, we were hitting for 30 damage each time. Yeah. Like, I would say, like, at least yeah. that was my damage. So you do get to hit pretty hard. I think it keeps you from hitting low, although, yes, it does take away from that high. I do think it gives a more consistent story feel. And when you are a superhero, that would feel really stupid if I punched a guy in the face and he only took one damage instead of me, like, hitting him real hard and hitting him for that solid 30 that's a really good point because if there's a reason why you would be hitting lower, there would be a CS involved. Like there'd be a column shift mm-hmm. to be like, Hey, I, I'm, and this is a terrible example cause it's, it's DC, but like, Hey Superman, there's some kryptonite. You're going to go down eight columns. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's an equivalent Marvel one? Uh, Who has a rock as a, as a weakness, a rock as a weakness. Wolverine versus Magneto. Well, okay, there you go. That's a good that, one. That's a terrible fight. They really need to stop making that happen. It has happened <laughs> yeah. so many times. And, yeah, <laughs> ripped it out of his body one time. It was grotesque and awful, and every kid that read it had nightmares. Um, <laughs> but yeah. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's move on into some world building here, because I'm interested to know what you guys would say, because, uh, you know, um, let's just... Point at the elephant in the room here, and uh, there's thousands of comics, so it's not thousands. hard to world build. Yeah. Thousands. There wasn't any so world many building in it, per se, I would say. Like, the, the rules itself were good, but there was no lore. 
There wasn't anything like that. I think they expected because you're going to play this, you don't need it. You already have it all. Just go read a comic book and you'll be set, right? Like, I yeah. think they were worried about actually including that in the system. Well, and part of it is also that it takes place in our universe, right? Like, Marvel is set largely in New York. It's not even like yeah. DC where it has, like, Gotham and Metropolis or anything. Like, it is New York. Uh, Spider-Man is from Queens. Like, they're real places other than the couple of things they've added on, like, Wakanda and Genosha and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like they kind of... The, it, it feels like they kind of were like, hey, this is real easy because every kid that plays this knows Earth. Uh, we, we've been here. Um so that's kind of cool, and yeah, like you said, like they if you're playing with these heroes, you probably know who they are. Also, in the book, when you like go to look at their heroes, it has like a brief description of each one of them, and you can get the rundown on them and what they're up to. So, and I feel like back in the '80s when this was made, too, they would expect that the people playing it were already fans because it wasn't like a mainstream thing like it is now where Mm -hmm. people might have picked it up just because it's like it's a marvel thing so we're just going to check it out where back then it's like if you knew what marvel was even chances are you were reading the comic books already yeah nerds were like true nerds back then weren't they unpolluted by the mainstream society oh yeah (laughs) before the big bang theory shut up Uh, yeah (laughs) we don't talk about it we don't talk about that show um you know i'll actually add on to this that even if you don't want to use any of the lore that's in marvel say you're like me and your your knowledge of it is uh spider-man uh then you can easily change out any city in the world to be your home base like i was thinking like edmonton calgary toronto like we could play in all of those have maps from the internet because it exists now uh and have our own campaign scenario. Yeah. Well, and I imagine that a lot of these campaigns are not really location specific. It's oh, in a generic downtown city. Uh, yeah. You swap out whatever Times Square for town center. Uh, you know, like it's, it wouldn't be hard to put this in whatever the players are familiar with. Yeah, even the when it actually named like, oh, you guys are going to Albuquerque. You guys are going to San Diego. Like it named those, but like, the setting was so minimal that I could have put them anywhere. I know nothing about New Mexico other than Roswell has UFOs. <laughs> uh, thus is the end, and it didn't affect my gameplay whatsoever. So, mm-hmm. I kept wanting to make a Walter White reference when we went to Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get it in right, though. I wanted to make a Bugs Bunny reference, so... <laughs> Should have taken that left turn at Albuquerque. All right, well, let's talk accessibility. Uh, who is this game accessible for? Like, who would be able to pick this up and easily play it? Uh, or is it just too difficult? What do you guys think? I don't think it's too difficult. I think if you've never played a TTRPG before and you're not playing with somebody who has to help explain it to you, it's going to be tough. Because, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of reading and a lot of kind of wrapping your head around things. <clears throat> But also, and I think, you know, it might be kind of fringe side of accessible, but the fact that this is out for free is a huge accessibility factor for people. If you are somebody who, you know, you don't have a bunch of money to go and get the Monster Manual, the Player's Handbook, you know, DM's Guide, you can get this for free. My first thought was, like, 
kids who don't have money because they're working a part-time job at Timmy's and they can't afford all these books or they live in the middle of nowhere like all of us grew up in that might not have a bookstore. You described half the people on this podcast. Yes. Uh, But like you don't have a bunch of money. You can go online. You can download it. I counted. There's over 50 books worth of material on there that you can just slowly pick your way through. Tons of campaigns, updates to things. I think that the financial accessibility is like the top of anything we've we've tried so far. And the paper craft itself is also like people have uploaded that online yeah. too. So even the city building, you could print it out in pieces and build the cities. Mm-hmm. Or even just a get pain, a bunch though. of cardboard boxes together yeah. and just slap them up and say, "Here you go, buildings." <laughs> print yeah. a grid and put it on the side of it, and you're set. Yeah, put up Some on your of screen the and draw. Scenarios. Yeah, some of the scenarios actually said, like, we didn't include a map, use it out of this box, like the generic <laughs> box. Yeah. So they knew what they were doing with that, too. Yeah. Well, well, I would agree that it is very accessible in the, like, fact that you can get it super easily and for free. I, like, I don't really know many people that I think would want to play it. You know what I mean? Compared to something like D&D or Cthulhu that has, like a lot more maybe not a lot more to it but like it's more of like a big name in it and the rules are like a little bit more standardized and homogenized so that the systems feel a bit more similar and like people who have played tabletop games in 2022 are probably so used to that kind of stuff that it might be weird introducing people to this system and like i myself really enjoyed it but i don't really know who else would these days if that makes sense like you have to be i'd think a pretty big fan of either marvel or tabletop role-playing games to want to like walk down the retro avenue of this game in the first place yeah i would say that the system doesn't do anything like spectacular in a way where i'm like you gotta play this because it does this better than anyone else it's like hey this is tabletop if you're looking for superhero tabletop this is maybe one of the good options but if you're not looking for specifically that I don't really know why you'd pick it up, per se. Yeah, like, my, like, one sentence, like, who would I say should buy this game is, like, people who have played a bunch of different tabletop games already Mm -hmm. and are honestly looking for something way outside of the box that they have never experienced before. This is, like, a breath of fresh air for, like, a grizzled veteran, but, like, I don't know about people that have never played another system before. My thought on who should play this is a very... We're not there yet. You guys need to save that. We have, we, we still have to get through accessibility, and I haven't said my piece. Fine. <laughs> Jaden, I don't know if you're done yet. No, that was about it. Oh, okay. Uh, so I want to I wanna intervene on uh, you guys saying, like, oh, like you're, you're grizzled veterans and things like that. I found a review from back in the day, and it said that it was not for beginners and novices, or sorry, it was for beginners and novices, and experts would be bored. (laughs) And I think that's really interesting because of that era. Like, we, I I don't feel like that was our experience. And so I actually, I actually do wonder when we hear of like grognards, like talking about the good old days of D&D. I don't, I'm not saying I agree with them, but I'm wondering if there's something there. Like the formula has changed in a way that people don't enjoy it the same anymore. I think it's just frame of reference, right? Like most of us 
started playing in like more streamlined versions of tabletop role-playing games so for us that's the watermark that we then base everything else on you have Mm -hmm. the guys that have been playing since you know first edition and most of these guys are also the ones that you know say well D&D 5e is is not the version I play. I like to play 3.5 because it's streamlined but still like crunchy. Or they want to play DCC because it calls back to it. I think it's one of those things where whatever you grew up on or whatever you're like, this is the game that made me a TTRPG fan is going to be the style of game that you like the best. And at the time, it it was D&D 1st Edition and Marvel. Um, (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah, and um, I kind of agree with you guys, though, that like I personally don't see this as being a beginner system. Um, I'm thinking like I'm about to run a Cthulhu game for some beginners this uh, weekend, and um, one of the guys has only ever played board games. He's never played a TTRPG, and I'm going, okay, so what do I do to make the game good for him? I would not give him this game. This would, you know, like, mm-hmm. unless he's all of a sudden like, oh, no, I love Marvel. Like, I don't care. I'll do anything. I'm like, mm, there are easier systems to introduce. You know what I actually just thought of as a response to that review that said that it's like experts would be bored? I honestly think that maybe they're talking about the difficulty of the gameplay itself, like of the encounters, because this game seems like it was designed to let the, like, not let the heroes win, but like, even when you failed, you could spend karma. You can always up your roll. We had so much karma in the adventure. We never really had to fail. And it's like, you know, in original D&D when this came out, you were prodding every door with a 10-foot pole because you knew it had a trap that was going to kill your whole party, you know? And that was, like, the difficulty of the game. Whereas this one is, like, you're playing superheroes and you're supposed to win. So I think that's what I would like translate from that review yeah that's also something else i picked up is that there's really not a lot of ways to level up your character like if you're playing like they're like you can get a couple of extra powers but only so many a couple extra talents but only so many so i don't know how you would play the same character in multiple campaigns because you also can't really rank up the like the super villains or anything so it feels like this is made for short campaigns like maybe like a two shot where you're gonna play either a new superhero or your favorite superhero and then that's just what you're gonna do it's like okay next weekend you know i i'm gonna play spider-man but the weekend after that i'm really excited to like play captain america um and it seems like it's more of those isolated systems and kind of focus on telling a story as opposed to challenging you to hit 20th level with your character and beef up them as much as you can Mm-hmm. And I would also say that, like, <clears throat> I think the uh, the the access to Marvel lore would make this game so much more interesting. But not having that knowledge, I found myself going, "Okay, who's this guy? Why does he matter?" And and like, it was just the way it was written is it was I was assumed to have known that information, right? Um, so I I do while I don't think that that's a reason why you shouldn't buy it, I also don't think that's a a reason that works in its favor. If that makes sense. All right, now the point that you guys all wanted to get to, <laughs> who is this game for? Last question. I've got to figure it out. Again, it's a very niche group. In fact, this group does not exist yet. But <laughs> <laughs> when I have kids and I'm wanting to introduce them into tabletop role-playing games, they're already going to be like probably superhero fans. Let's be honest. They're my children. This 
I think would be a great way to introduce them to some of these Marvel villains and get them play because you have the chart in front of you. You only roll two dice. The DM has to do a lot of the hard work, but a lot of the stuff that the kids would be doing, you can offload. Yeah. And you just get to tell them all these really cool superhero stories and they get to be Spider-Man. And I think that would be the most fun to spend a weekend with your kids playing Marvel and getting to tell stories that they haven't seen in movies and haven't read in comic books. I'm yeah, cautiously so optimistic for you. I'm yeah, so excited. Yeah, I hope excited. you don't get the kids that decide to go in the complete opposite of their parents because, well, they're their parents and they need to be different. <laughs> I had a really bad joke to make, and I'm not going to say it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my, my answer to this one's still the same. I think that the people that would get the most out of this system in 2022 is people that have played a lot of other systems before and are looking for something totally different, you know? Something that is like in this, you're still sitting around a table playing a game, but it uses different weird rules and everything's calculated differently and it's unique and it hasn't been like standardized by a ton of like online homebrew content yet. Yeah, uh, that's what I'd recommend it for. I mean, I think the only people I would recommend it for is people who need a Marvel tabletop system. <laughs> like, that's what they need. I need to be, not only do they need to be superhero, because there are some superhero systems that I've never played, but I would yeah. hopefully assume that they do some things better. And there's nothing in the system that I've seen that I'm like, there isn't another system that does it better. Or like, like there's, oh, I feel like almost everything is done better somewhere else, even if I don't know what system does that. So unless you need that freaking Marvel itch scratched, this is probably not going to be for you from my standpoint. But if that's what you're looking for, I couldn't imagine something that would be more fitting of that. Like, this is like, here you go. Use all of Marvel's history and have fun. And it's like, yeah, if I was super into Marvel and that was my jam, like, this would absolutely be my system. Next season, we're playing every other version of this system sequentially. (laughs) (laughs) I got one more subcategory of people, I think. I think people that like taking a trip down retro lane just for the fun of it, just like to see what like to play as a time capsule you know get transported back to a different time like watching old movies with crappy cg effects just to see what it looked like and to have a laugh about it like i I think you'd really have a good time Uh, that's a really good point i actually uh, despite my complaints with the system i enjoyed that process of like seeing where we are in comparison in tabletop games. However, uh, Jaden and I are pretty in sync <laughs> with this system. We talked about it the other night, and uh, I have to agree. Like, If you're a hardcore Mar- Marvel fan, play it. You'll love it. Uh, other than that, I think people who are into papercraft and would love to actually build the cities by printing them off, I think that would be a super fun t- uh, hobby. And then all of a sudden to play it as a game would be awesome. Uh, however, if you are at all... Uh, daunted by rules that are not easily explained uh maybe stay away yeah if you're a rule is written guy this one is going to just kick the crap out of you all the rules Uh, are vague every single rule is vague (laughs) i.e me (laughs) i feel so weird about this system because like i feel like i was supposed to not like it and i came away actually really satisfied and like i had a good time and it was fun to see this like i said in between sessions it was like really fun to play this like for the record like (laughs) just to be like this is what this is and it's different and it's cool 
But I don't know if I'd play it again, but I'm really glad we did yeah. one time. I was super Maybe. excited to play it, and then I started looking through the manuals. So I was like, oh, no, it's going <laughs> to suck. Uh, and then we played it, and I got to flex my nerd brain, and I had a lot of fun. And I, I'm legitimately going to look at the newer editions and see what's up, because, yeah, I think it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, would I feel like, like my experience ones for sure. Yeah. I feel like my experience was slightly swayed by playing the overpowered RNG Jesus rolled bear <laughs> with the invincible force field though. That helps. Cuz it was like, yeah, everything just died when I came near yeah. it and it was pretty satisfying. You were basically a World of Warcraft guardian druid just b- turned I, into I, a I bear and myself, like <laughs> I called myself the discount hulk to my friends in Discord afterwards cuz it was like that was basically all I was, super strong. Yeah. But like yeah. Well, uh, I think uh, maybe one of the things that I should start doing is just one tagline at the end to say our overall review. And if I had to do that for this one, it'd be Marvel Superheroes by TSR. It might surprise you? Question mark? <laughs> one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Well, with that, I'm out of coffee, and that means it's time to run. Yeah.